Yo! Yo! <laughs> Welcome back to UFC Roundup. Of course, here I am, Paul Felder. I'm joined with the man himself, Michael Chiesa. Mm, this is a great sandwich. Oh, my gosh. Now, mm. we got 285 coming up. Mm -hmm. Me and Michael asked the people for some questions and things like that. As always, we want comments. We want to hear from you guys, but we talk a lot of sandwiches on this show. <laughs> and truth be told, this is all by circumstance. Me and Michael were just sitting down. He's like, he just got done training. Michael, he just got done hitting pads, right? He runs yep. up to the studio out there in the apex. He has a sandwich made for himself, worked his butt off to eat it today. I just happened to have a sandwich delivered to the house. <laughs> you better be eating sandwiches for this weekend. Michael, how is camp going? We know you're in prep for April 9th. Well, Big fight coming up, hitting pads. You're in mm -hmm. Vegas. How are things going, man? Man, uh, you know, first and foremost, I got to tell you guys, I'm having the UFC PI special, this nice hot Italian sandwich, you know, some cap, you know, get some capicola, some salami, some pepperoni, you know, a little provolone, a little spice, mm. a, little, a little zest, you know, a little Italian, a little Italian something. But camp's been really good, Paul. Um, you know, I brought my coach from back home and a few of my young teammates, uh, Brady Heaston, who's in the UFC, um, and then Ashton Charlton, who's a kid on his way up. So I'm getting the best of both worlds. I brought home with me. Oops, sorry. I uh, brought home with me, and it's just been great, man. Um, obviously, I'm eating a sandwich, so that's a good indication that my weight is Gabagool on it, by the way. You, it's Gabagool. You know, what are you talking about, Gabagool? It's Gabagool. Yeah, yeah. Be very upset at you right now. It's It's been it's good, though, man. It's to have, especially, like, having my weight in check and, like, not even having to stress it, and I can just focus on training hard, um, getting the rounds in, um, hmm. bringing in a couple uh, – secret kickboxer i can't name his name i got a guy oh. coming in flying under the radar so yeah dude i feel ready to go paul is so it, what's is it me flying in next week it is yeah. paul felder flying in next week people i'm trying to get him out of retirement he's not going to do it but he is going to come in and train with me because i'm going to have him out here in the desert for quite some time but paul yeah. what's going on what's going on in your world you know as always obsessed with mixed martial arts but on the side for my endeavors, as usual, doing the triathlon thing, had a um, a race at uh, the French Creek Racing. The the people that I trained with for my swimming, they held a, it's called the Frozen Hair. It's like an Olympic distance triathlon. Part of it was in person. Part of it was virtual on Zwift, the online platform that you can do racing and stuff. So I did 1,500 meter swim, a 23 mile bike, and a um, just short of a 10K run. I mean, I hit a very... Took it easy, 28-minute swim, took it very easy, didn't want to blow up, crushed the bike, held 300 watts for an hour and eight minutes, did uh, just over an hour for the 23 miles, a lot of hills. So I downloaded the course on the thing. It was all virtual, but it was my trainer gives you all the resistance. You have the Wahoo kicker. You know how you can do all that kind of stuff with it. Yeah. And then crushed the run, man. You know, I, my run is really coming along. I'm getting pretty fast. I held... Uh, just under 6.30, 6.33 for the full 10K, and I ran a 39.24 for the six miles. But again, 500 feet of elevation gain on that run. So not wow. an easy run. And then I'll be out in Vegas, obviously, starting Wednesday to uh, do uh, the Everyman Jack, the, my sponsored team, um, their training camp. And I get to watch the fights with the boys that will be out there. And I'm going to come in. Uh, 
I'm going to mess around with you. I'll Let's get some go. Weapons. Yeah, we'll play around, man. It'll be fun. I love it. You know, I, t- I went for a run after I worked the fights this last weekend. I was pretty proud of myself. I did like seven miles in like 55 minutes. You know, I feel like if I was like 10 pounds lighter, I could be a lot faster. But Dude, for you, for a big guy running that's not running, like, yeah, that's that's a very good run. You know, it's all relative, right, to what you're training for and what the the, the need of the run is. But we could talk about that all day. Yeah, we could talk training all day. And one more thing, Paul, I got to say. I could tell you're moving on from mixed martial arts because the, as the show progresses, we don't see the fight posters anymore. We see your medals <laughs> in the background from your races. <laughs> I switched seats. I wanted to sit on my couch today. I'm having a sandwich. I've got a beer here. I was like, look, because for me, obviously, uh, I'm ahead of you on the mm. East Coast. So whenever we're doing these things, usually I'm either later in my day or, uh, you know, mixing things up. So I get to um, I get to sit on the couch today. But 285? Vacant heavyweight title. Obviously, we lost our champion um, to do whatever he's going to be doing in his career. We still don't know. But John Jones is returning. And he's moving up finally to this heavyweight class, taking on Cyril Gaon. What are your thoughts on – let's just talk about the weight class first, right? What does John Jones have to expect moving up from 205 finally now to heavyweight? I think for John – the number one thing he has to expect is to not be the faster guy. Like you, you see, in, in my opinion, Paul, I think that this is the toughest fight for him at heavyweight. I'm not just saying this. I'm not trying to do right. this for promotional purposes. I'm not trying to create a soundbite. I just think it's a fact. I think Francis Ngannou would have been an easier fight for John. He would have had a better time seeing the big punches coming. Francis would have definitely been the more physical fighter. But in Cyril Gaon, I see shades of John Jones within his style the diversity in his weapons, the fluidity in his footwork, the way he moves. I think the biggest thing for John is to not expect to be the faster fighter. He's going against a guy that, in my opinion, is the, the toughest matchup for him. Yeah. Um, but I just can't believe it's here. Like it, it really, it, it almost seems surreal. It's like, wow, is he, and, and maybe that's because in the past there's, you know, John Jones's demons have sometimes boiled to the top in these moments where we've been in fight week and we've lost some of his key fights. Like when we lost the first rematch with Daniel Cormier. So um, it, it still seems a little surreal that we're, we're here, but nonetheless, Cyril I very- gone. Does it feel <laughs> Cyril gone? Right. But nonetheless, I'm excited to be at T-Mobile. I'm excited to see the comeback. It makes the heavyweight division that much more interesting. And I feel like that these last few years, we've really gained a lot of momentum in that division and I feel like we're seeing a, a changing of the guard. We're seeing, a, you know, the Cain Velasquez, the Junior Dos Santos is, even Stipe Miocic is on the tail end of his run, and we're seeing a lot of new blood. Yeah. And then there's this new insertion of John Jones, arguably the greatest fighter of all time, asserting himself into the heavyweight division. So it's, it's, it's very exciting. It is very exciting. And I, I think that's a really good point for him to not go in there assuming, hey, you're going to be the much faster guy when you're taking on Cyril Ghosn in your your first heavyweight bout, right? A guy who's got tremendous fight IQ, who can do all the things but takes his time, really picks his shots and finds your weaknesses. John Jones is very similar. John Jones kind of almost fights to the level of his opponent, right? We've seen him in his last couple fights before he left. I feel like he's better than those guys. I I really do. I'm not saying Mm – I don't think he lost as much of a step as he caught – stagnant i feel like he wasn't as challenged as he needs to be and i feel like now the move up to heavyweight we're going to see two guys who are very intelligent fighters 
And for John at heavyweight, I feel like now he can even take his time a little more. He can plot a little more. And I'm curious to see how his striking is going to look against Cyril Gunn, right? I know the wrestling is probably going to be the it factor for John in this fight. But, I mean, the way he slices people with elbows from distance, the range in which he can use that push kick to the knee, same with Cyril Gunn. They're very similar in their style mm-hmm. and how they, how they do things. So I'm very curious to see how that's going to play out. I really want to see them strike with each other for a little bit, but I know John has got to mix in the wrestling because if Francis Ngannou can take him down, even though he's the bigger, stronger man, what is John Jones going to be able to do? How how important is wrestling going to be in that main event? Oh, I mean, it, it's huge. But the one thing that we have to put into consideration is Francis completely stunned Cyril Gunn. And I'm not using this as a comparison because Juliana is my teammate, but it's 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 almost very similar. It's very similar to how Amanda Nunes fought Julie in the rematch. She came out southpaw completely stunned her. It's like Francis Ngannou, given the knee injury and the circumstances, had to completely change his game plan, completely change his style, and divert to wrestling, which is something I, you know, you, you're going to train all facets of the sport at this level. But, you know, it's like they, they really stunned Cyril Gunn by going out there and, and implementing the wrestling. Uh, but for John... This is where it's going to get tricky is I don't see him having success with low level takedowns like double legs and single legs. I feel like his best shot in the wrestling department is going to come from the clinch, maybe some crafty foot sweeps, some trips, things of that sort. But when you're in that kind of space and you're standing erect in front of Cyril Gaon, you're also playing with fire a little bit because he's got elbows as well. And that's and a very Muay Thai style, Michael. So it really is. You're reverting to those types of takedowns, upper body and clinch type takedowns. Muay Thai guys and guys from that kickboxing background, that's the best grappling they can do is right there. They're so used to being off balance and trying to push each other knee, fake knees and sweep. That's where you're right. It could be a problem there. Yeah, I definitely think so. And and if, you know, and, and the one thing I want to add to this, which is a little offbeat, a little off topic, but a lot of people are wondering who's the mystery fighter that's going to be weighing in. Oh, and, Yeah. I, you know, hopefully Zach doesn't get mad at me. Sorry, Zach. But he told me in the post fight, so I can mention this, but Sergey Pavlovich will be waiting in the wings as the potential backup. So yeah, that could, that can make things interesting well, as well. That's a guy that's, uh, can pose a problem for either of those guys, but back to the topic of the wrestling in this fight. Um, I, I definitely think that for John, it, it the take, the wrestling is going to have to go from the trips and, and the sweeps and things from that position. I think he's going to have to use, He's going to have to put Cyril Gaon against the fence. Yeah. Kind of like if you if you, if you you dance with him in a clinch in open space, there's going to be room for Cyril Gaon to push back and create space for those elbows. Whereas John smothers him against the fence and takes away that space for Cyril Gaon to wind up on those elbows. Um, I think he could have some success. But I think for John, if it, when you go to the other, you know, the other parts of this fight, I think that he's got to use the kicks. I think he's got to, you know, he's got to use that oblique kick. He's got to yeah. use those snap kicks. He's got to use, I don't necessarily think round kicks. I think straight kicks up the middle to really dictate the space between them because, you know, Cyril Gaon's going to be bouncing in and out. And I don't know how good John's round kick's going to be against a guy that comes in and out like that. So it's it's yeah. just such a, it's just such an interesting fight because they're really so similar in how elusive they are and how diverse their weapons are. I was just going to say that too <laughs> because I think talking about the clinch and Cyril Gaon's elbows. I mean, what about John? Mm. I mean, the way that he's landed elbows, mm. dropped guys before, battered, battered guys' faces. People forget. Like, I think 
we got to move on, but I think people forget how good he is, man. It's been gone a lot, a long time, and he's had a lot of issues outside of the octagon. But what he has done inside of the octagon, mm-hmm. he's not lose. I mean, no, he only lost. I, you know, he, he got <laughs> Matt, Matt Hamill. Oh, come on, Matt Hamill. He's sitting down there like I got one on him. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, when when you were saying circling back to what you said, Paul, about like complacency with John and like you know the Dominic Reyes fight. Maybe the Tiago Santos fight. Maybe him thinking that you know th- there wasn't a level of threat. Yeah, I think you look at the Gustafson rematch. I mean, there you could tell that there was a heightened sense of fear with John Jones when he fought Gustafson in the rematch because he dispatched him, he put him away. Like he, he in in their first fight, that was a five round war. That was one of the best fights we've ever seen. That was the best light heavyweight tilt next to Yuri Prohaska and Glover Teixeira. Um, so it, I, I think that. This is going to bring out the best in John. There's some things he says I don't believe, but there's some things that he says I do believe. And I do believe him when he says him going up to the heavyweight division is going to bring that fear in him out that made him yeah. fight at his best. Yeah, I think that's a, a good point. Um, I, I'm so excited, man. If you're not excited for this fight between these two guys, but I mean, just two incredible athletes, two incredible fighters with an amazing IQ. And to have John Jones back, it's just good hype. But anyway, predictions. Yeah, I was just going to say we're going to do predictions. We get to do it. We're not working it. Who you got? Oh, my. I was hoping you would go first. I'll go first. Uh, I'll go first. I'm going John Jones. I'm going John Jones. Yeah. I think it's going to be an awesome fight. I think it's going to be calculated for a while. I think there's going to be some stagnant moments. But I think John – I want to believe it. I think John's freaking hungry to go and prove some some ish. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think Cyril Gan is going to be a champion someday. But I still think he's, you know, I think he's going to have an epic battle and then he's going to go on a run after this. But I'm going John Jones. You know, it would feel wrong to go against John Jones. I, it really would be like, you know, yeah. it's it's one of those things where you have to, you have to, I have to put away my bias in, in my feelings which I don't need to divulge, dive into. I think John's a great guy, but <clears throat> yeah, I've been a Daniel Cormier fan my whole life. So yeah. obviously when I talk about a bias, that's kind of where, where it comes from. But when you just look at, when John Jones is at his best in the octagon, there is not a man that walks God's green earth on two feet. They can, you know, break a hair on his head. The guy is that good. So <clears throat> I do agree that there's going to be some stagnant moments. I think that it's, it's going to take a while for things to pick up for him to feel the power and just adjust to having to go with it's been a while. heavyweight. It's been a while, oh. but it, it, John Jones is going to win this fight and John Jones is going to go on a run at heavyweight. I think he's going to, I think he's going to hold the title and defend the title until he decides he's done. So bold prediction for me, but I mean, it's hard, yeah. to, it's hard, it's hard to go against the guy. I think he's going to win. I think he's going to try to really pull, pull himself together and fight a bunch of times and, and regain that, Hopefully, man, knock on wood, right? For John's sake as well. Yeah. That, he doesn't and, have to come back. That's the thing. Like, he doesn't need money. He doesn't, he he is, he's he's built a great career for himself through all the BS he's put himself through outside yeah. the octagon. Got to prove himself ha- again, though. He doesn't have to do again. this. He, you can tell he wants to do this. He wants yeah. to come back. This is a big, he, he's taking this serious because it's a big part of his legacy. So it's going to be really exciting in 2023 to see what he does. 
again, we could talk that fight all day. It's super exciting. Everybody's yeah, absolutely. Hyped, everybody's hyped, but we got an amazing co-main event. Um, Shevchenko and Grasso mm -hmm. are going at it. Obviously, we, I'm sure we're going to take a look at the line at some point here. I know this is something you want to talk about. This is obviously <laughs> anytime Shevchenko is fighting. Yeah, we're going to see some some big numbers as far as who's the favorite, and obviously Valentina Shevchenko is going to be a massive favorite in this one against Alexa Grasso, who's been looking fantastic as of late, but does she, is she the one? Is she the one? I feel bad because I feel like you could go through the, all the episodes of UFC roundup that we have, that we have filmed. And it's like, every time I talk about Valentina's fights, I say the same thing. And I, I hate to be the dead horse, but it's just like, who's going to be the one to actually do it? Like how, how do you go in there and, and beat a fighter that is always evolving and doing something different every time she steps out there. Like you, yes. you've seen it. There's, there's times where she'll, she'll, she'll fight on the feet. There's times when she'll submit somebody off her back. There's times she'll use her wrestling and beat you in the crucifix. Like she does, she does different things every time she steps out there. She's constantly evolving, which a lot of champions that go on the run that she's been on don't usually, do. It's like they, they don't, don't do that. If, if it ain't broke, don't they fix dip. it. Just, just yeah. stick to what you've been doing. Now, when you talk about a dip, we did maybe see just a little dent in her armor in the Talia Santos fight. Talia Santos had a lot of success in the grappling. She had good back control. Um, and it was a very controversial fight. Yep. Could Alexa Grasso try to get that fight to those same positions and try to fight a similar fight that Talia Santos did? I do think so. I think Grasso's in the right weight class. And I think that when, it, when you talk about the striking – I think Valentina Shevchenko, uh, male or female, is one of the best strikers in the UFC, bar none, hands down. Her striking no is phenomenal. But no I think for Grosso being so fundamentally sound in just boxing, I think that can help negate some of the weapons because she's not going to open up with as much. And I think if you can work behind a jab, it can also work defensively and offensively. And it's going to be a key weapon if she's going to want to get this fight to the floor. She's got to work behind that jab if she's going to try to get to Valentina's hips and create some grappling exchanges. So uh, I think that this is actually a big test for Valentina because I feel like maybe she's got something to prove to the fans because of how that Talia Santos fight went. I think now people are seeing like, okay, she, it, it's time, the time is coming. Valentina's finally going to lose. It's like I think that this is a big fight for her to go out and be like, no, 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 that one was a fluke. I'm yeah. still that fighter. I'm still that great. I, I, yeah. I mean, I think, I think we saw that there are maybe some places that fighters could explore in trying to, to if you're going to try to take down Valentina Shevchenko. And I think if you have really good strength and jujitsu and an ability to control, that's an area where you start looking for that. Um, I, I think Tyla's size too. She's a she's pretty big. I think for the weight class as well. It seemed to be a little bit of an issue for Valentina, who's, you know, she's always very close to weight. She doesn't cut a ton, no matter what weight class she's in, whether she's cutting any or now at 25, not too much, I don't really think. But, dude, she's so freaking fast that even though I think Alexa Grasso has probably the slicker boxing skills, I don't think it's going to matter because of the kicking game and the speed and the strength and just the overall control that Valentina Shevchenko has. I think it's going to be a fun fight. I think Grasso's game, as game as they come, she's on a crazy win streak. I think four fights in her division. So yeah, she's rolling. Head, I go. I'm going Valentina. I think Valentina's just. I, I'm going for. I would put my money on it being a 
I think a five round decision. You think Ross was tough he, enough to hang in? Yeah, I think Ross was tough enough to hang in there. <clears throat> and I think Valentina sometimes I, I think this is a fight where I could see her getting going on cruise control. I think if she can start stuffing takedowns, she's just yeah. gonna start snap, start snap. start picking her apart. And dude, I saw her at the PI and I was watching her shadow box and I'm just like She's she mean, is, bro. She's incredible. I've told her to her face, I'm like, you're a badass. Yeah, you she know? is. I've told even my wife, I tell all the time, I'm like, there's there's a woman on the roster. There's many now, of course. Yeah. But for a while, like when I see her, I'm like, yeah. Well, not to mention she's a secret agent. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm fully yeah, convinced. I don't I don't care what anybody says. She is a secret agent. She's yep. a she's a pound for pound great in mixed martial arts, secret kickboxing champion. Sure. She speaks like four languages. Like, huh. yeah, she's a secret agent. But yeah, I'm with you, Paul. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm definitely going Valentina Shevchenko. It's just one of those things, just like I said about John. Like when you're that great, you're like how do I pick against you? It's yeah. it's it's, a, it's like I, I can't pick against somebody that's so dominant. Um, and even though she had a rough last fight, I still think, like you said, now she's yeah. coming back. Like, oh okay, yeah. You don't think I'm that good anymore? Let me show you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on that one. Nonetheless, I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be a stacked card top to bottom, <clears throat> but the two marquee fights at the top of the bill. I mean, they're, they're taking the cake. What about Bo Nichols though? Bo Nichols, Woo! excuse me, I keep calling Bo Nichols and I'm going to get my ass beat one of these days. Bo Nichols. He might double leg you. <laughs> oh yeah. Or through a wall. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. I mean, Jamie Pickett's Jamie an incredible Pickett. athlete. He, you know, Dana White Contender Series alumni. He's got good striking, crisp. He's, he's fast. He, he's, he's got, he's long. He's long for the weight class, but. Man, um, I was talking to somebody about this about Bo Nickel and and and, uh, and how you know he's only this is his fourth this is his fourth fight right or fifth fight fourth or fifth fight in, the, in his whole pro career or it might be his fourth or fifth fight altogether fourth overall yeah I compare him to Alex Pajeda and before everybody says I'm crazy for doing that you got to remember that Alex Pajeda came in the UFC on the tail end of a phenomenal kickboxing career two-time glory champion uh and he, he didn't have very many fights when he got in the ufc and look at what he did look at the run he went on being a specialist in one of the facets of mixed martial arts bo nickel could do the exact same thing in a lot of pundits a lot of a lot of you know a lot of people with analytical minds in the sport of mixed martial arts a lot of us agree the best base for mma is wrestling and when you talk wrestling you got to talk bo nickel if it wasn't for a man named David Taylor who won an Olympic gold medal in the last Olympics, if it wasn't for David Taylor, Bo Nickel would be on the Olympic team and quite possibly could have won a gold medal himself. So yeah. we're talking about a guy who has high elite caliber wrestling, like, and he comes from the best college in the nation. He comes from Penn State, which has the, the greatest wrestling legacy in college sports. I know you're loving Pennsylvania, baby. Lions. Pennsylvania. Just and saying. they're built. They're building something special over there, Paul. Uh, you know, they're building an shout American out to Bill Davis team. as well. Yeah, shout out to Bill Davis. He's the real pioneer of uh, Penn State wrestlers going to mixed martial arts. But they're actually building an American top team close At, to State in, College in, in, near the near Happy Valley, right? Like near the Ken yeah, dude. bro. <laughs> and you're talking for for the wrestling buffs that watch our show. You're talking Roman Bravo Young, Carter Storacci. You're talking studs that are going to be a making. Genius. That's a genius move on their part. Dan Lambert opinion. is a genius. That's what yeah. I'm going to say. Dan Lambert's a smart guy. But, I mean, this free is membership. Still tough... Free membership if you're on the wrestling squad. Oh, yeah. They'll probably pay you to come over and train yeah. the American top team. But 
this is a big test. I mean, Bo Nichols, a confident guy, brimming with confidence as he should be. He's that skilled. But nonetheless, he's still going to get locked in an octagon with a guy that's got like seven times the experience than he has. And sometimes experience can shine through in moments like this. So uh, I'm. this is going to be – this is big for the wrestling world, for Bo Nickel to be making his official UFC debut. Yes, and he is the pay-per-view opener as well. Okay, so, so not only is Bo making his UFC debut with only – Three professional fights going into his fourth God, professional fight. Crazy. Opening John Jones versus Cyril Gan heavyweight champion wow. on the freaking line. Okay. It speaks to what the UFC thinks of this young man. And I got to talk to him after his second contender series fight. Bro, dialed in, focused, you know, like knows exactly what he's going out there to do. I think Jamie Pickett's a, an, an awesome fighter. Maybe could could push him a little bit, make him push it in the first round, and then maybe the second. But he's going to get him, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's going to be a submission. I think yeah. I think it's just when but there's a different level. There's good wrestlers, there's great wrestlers, and then there's Olympic caliber wrestlers. Like we're yeah. talking, this guy is in the same wrestling category as Henry Cejudo, as Daniel Cormier, as Sarah McMahon, like the best wrestlers in mixed martial arts. So when he gets his hands on you. Like you, you can't train for that. Like you, yeah. the only thing you can do is try to move and stay away from him, play jab and run. But he gets his hands locked. It's you're going for a ride. Yeah. End of story. Yeah. I, I'm I'm taking Bo Nickel by sub. You know, I round. wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if that was like a minus three hundred favorite for him to win by sub. Like it's he's that good. Yeah, and early and be, early. You probably not you're not probably not getting good odds on it being early. I mean, I think that's something that is potentially what a lot of people think is going to happen but we'll see we could be talking about how jamie really kind of pushed him and you know whatever but that's how this game works um Absolutely. now oh there we go richie got us uh minus 205 by sub so yeah but, see yeah two to one favorite to win by sub that's a profit yeah. that's that's a lot that's, in your that's crazy in your debut against a guy with a multitude more fights um but now we got to get to our fans and our five rounds, we got some questions. We got some stuff. I'm gonna have to pull down this channel and see what's the most underrated fight on the card, in your opinion, Michael. I'll let oh, you go first. It's a no-brainer. Shabcat Rachmanov versus Jeff Neal. Um, yeah, what a fight that is. I mean, you're talking Shavcat, a lot of people have him pegged as the guy to beat yeah. Hamzat Chemaev. And then you got Jeff Neal's it's like, no, no, no. Did you not watch me knock out Vicente Luque? Uh, you know, Jeff is an incredible athlete. I've actually saw him around the PI this week. He's looking fit. He's looking in shape. Um, very confident headed into this fight. But I think that I think that that fight's going to be fight of the night. That's going to be the one to steal the show. And I think for either man, whoever wins could really jump out front and get themselves into the talks. Yeah, dude, getting, number getting, seven getting, and number eight. I mean, I mean, I know Bilal Muhammad's looking for a fight, and I I just have a gut feeling. Whoever wins that fight on Saturday is probably going to get matched with Bilal because they God. they can't find Colby Covington and they're trying to match him and Bilal. And I feel and for Bilal. He's trying though, isn't he? Yeah, oh, it's Bilal. it's hilarious. It's so funny, but yeah, I think I think whoever wins this fight has a big fight on the horizon for him. But that's the secret fight on the card for me. That's and I, I don't fight. even why I'm I don't even know why I'm calling it a secret fight. It's the feature bout on the main card. It's the Coco. It's the Coco. Yeah, event. yeah. So but I feel I agree fight. with you. I feel like it's not been talked about as much as maybe it really should be because and because John is coming back and we've got yes. Valentina and there's there's other big fights. But that is a that is a key fight 
for the welterweight division, no doubt about it. And I'm going to pick one going to um, the middleweight division. Derek Brunson um, is taking on uh, Drickus Duplessis. I think that's an interesting. Uh, I think that's an interesting fight on the card. Drickus Duplessis is really good as of late, but Derek Brunson has a knack for spoiling the party for a lot of these guys. So I'm very interested in that fight. Yeah, that should be a good fight. Drickus is one of those guys that's you want to talk some some new blood in a in an ultra tough division. I mean, yeah, coming from South Africa too, bringing that vibe to to the mix, dude, man. In the way he just just ran over Darren Till. I mean, he literally it was like a trash compactor. He just was like, Ugh, Ugh. yeah, he has looked good lately, man. That was impressive. I think he's finding his rhythm now as well. I think his first fight, he went out. I talked to him a little bit afterwards. He was like super anxious and kind of jittery and he's always got that kind of herky-jerky striking style yeah i was just gonna say that wrong dude i think he's one of those guys where i you know he looks strong but i I think he's even next level when guys get in there they're like oh i didn't know this guy was gonna be this strong he's kind of he's kind of got that vibe to me where yeah he's got this deceptive power like yeah i know what you're saying though like those first few fights real jerky yeah look nervous and then he's like like the accidental knockout, like, oh, God, wow, yeah. I got him. It was just like he's kind of backing up and threw like kind of a high elbow stiff shot. And yeah, yeah, that's a guy that's uh, definitely on the rise. Fun to watch. All right. Sure. Next. So otherwise, there's good fights on the card. Do you expect or think Ngana will be in the crowd on UFC 285? Better question. If you're his manager, do you force him to go and take his belt in attendance with him? I don't Michael. think anybody could force Francis Ngannou to do anything. That's true. <laughs> like, you can't force the bat. I still call him the baddest man on the planet. You can't force the baddest man on the planet to do anything. He does what he wants. Um, I don't think Francis is the type of guy to parade around with his UFC title. Um, and I'm pretty sure he's in Africa right now. I saw something on Instagram that he was, he was like, he said something like, you know, um, his old job involved like shoveling a lot of sand or something of that sort. And he said, yeah, I used to do this for a job. Not now I do it for a workout. And he's just looking yoked. Just out there fucking sick arm pump is just got cannons, dude. I mean, I know every show I'm flexing. Sand. Every show I flex and I just wish I had arms like Francis Ngannou. He's just a monster. Yeah. Bank account what do, too. What do you I'm think, Paul? You think, you think he's going to be at T-Mobile? You think he'll be there? Hell no. No. He's not going. Listen. I get the question. I understand it. And I see the yeah. point of view of like maybe yeah. him doing that, but he, a, he's not that type of guy to try to rub it in the face of any of those guys. Right. That's, mm-hmm. that's not his style. And then also, I think that's a bad move on everybody's part. Like you, you were offered the contract. You didn't yeah. want it. You wanted no. something else. Move yeah. on, which he has. And that's how Francis is going to think. He's not going to show up to try to cause anything. And if he's no. there, and if yeah. he is there, he's there to watch it genuinely, and he's there without the belt. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I'll go out on a limb and say I would be surprised if he even watched the fight in general. Like, I, I don't even know if he'll watch the fight. Like, I just don't see why. It wouldn't surprise me if he didn't watch it. Like, he, he's the type of guy I just feel like, be like, well, why would I watch it? It doesn't pertain to me anymore. It doesn't matter he's, anymore. Yeah, you know. Yeah. His loss, our gain. But nonetheless, much love for Francis. I still, still love the big guy. Of course. Yeah. Mm. Oh, House Cat who watches MMA. Our favorite. Our favorite. Love this person. I had two two tuna cans, so I have two questions. I cannot emphasize enough that I am literally a cat. Okay. 
right. Mike, you mentioned at the desk that fighters must fight with confidence. Is there a moment in prep where you go from uh, analysis to bold execution? Paul, congrats on hacks. Thank you. House cap. Proudest moment on set. Um, getting to like hug and kiss Gene Smart, who's an absolute legend uh, of the acting game and has been crushing it for years. She's an amazing person and amazing actress. But more importantly, where do I go from analysis to bold, bold execution? Um, you know, if I'm gonna, if like, I when do you gonna... see something that you think about, and at what point do you kind of like feel like you're nailing it? I guess. I think for me, when it goes from analysis to bold execution, if I if I'm interpreting this right, it's really just fight night. I mean, it's really the, a camp. A, a full training camp involves a lot of analysis, and it's not just analysis of your opponents, analysis of yourself, yeah. your practices, um, not even just in the, analyzing your X's and O's, but analyzing um, what's going on between your ears. You know, so I think that once you get to fight night, the analysis is over. It's about keying, uh, keying in, locking in, uh, getting that tunnel vision focus, and just just focusing on execution. Um, yeah, and that's so that's something I've never had a problem. Sometimes I overanalyze things. Sometimes I've let myself, sometimes I've sold myself short mentally, but I've never had a problem when it gets down to the fight to locking in like and focusing on execution. And I, that just, and right I, now I'm like, oh, maybe, I'll go, hit that, maybe yeah. I'll go hit that fourth practice today, Paul. Maybe hey, I'm, man, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, even let's if go. It's just, even my, the mind is training too, Michael. So even if yes, you're sir. thinking about it right now, that's already, that's training right there, right? Absolutely. Um, and for me, yeah, same thing, man. Like the, it was always the very end of the camp when it was finally like, there's nothing else I can do now to get better other than right here. And to just on fight night, like you said, all the prep, all the, everything you've studied for weeks and weeks and weeks, you, you don't think about anything on fight night. You don't think no. about like when we're in there, we are just literally, you, you know how it is. We can't explain it to anybody. That's it's never it's, been in, it's instinctive. I know exactly it's instinctive. Yeah. You, by the time you get to the fight, you, if you're if you're having a good fight, there's usually not a thought in your mind. The fights slowing, man. Usually the fights when they haven't gone my way, it's when I've started to insert thoughts in my head, like, okay, what do I do now? Okay, yeah. what am I? No, it's like the best fights I've had is when I'm like, all of a sudden I get done and the fight's over. I'm like, whoa, I blacked out there. I blacked yeah. out there for a little bit. What happened? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, all right, yeah, next no. one. That's a good one. I like. I yeah, do like that, that question. Good. Making us think in fun ways there. Uh, yeah. If the nachos are stuck together, is it just one nacho? One hundred percent. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm taking that whole damn thing. If I'm picking that up already, my hands on it, and it's just hanging with cheese, jalapeno, sour cream, and and chicken, and whatever we got, I'm, I'm, I'm taking. It. Whole I don't care if I'm sharing the plate. And I take that one nacho, right. and it I'll takes pay that more. Plate. I'll say, listen, I'll buy you a beer. Uh, you know what I mean? Dude, I mean, <laughs> true story. True story. I used to eat nachos so much as a kid, like during the summer when I'd go stay with my dad. Like, I would just eat chips and cheese and like cook in the oven, and my parents would be like, "Quit eating." effing nachos you need, the, you need a more balanced diet like wake up for breakfast eat nachos snack nachos dinner nachos like i love nachos almost as much as i love sandwiches oh man we'll almost, have to we'll have, we'll have to get some nachos when you're done your fight <clears throat> hey how about we do an effort friday nacho sandwich oh, oh, oh man uh, i have to tell we'll tell them we're, we're stepping in we're taking over yeah, for a week let's do it. a new effort friday yeah 
All right. What kind of uh, sandwich? Uh, <laughs> what kind of sandwich is John Jones? Oh, man. Man, I think John. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's so many ways I could go with this. Oh, um, man, that's why they asked it. That's why they asked it. I'll, I'm going to take the safe route here. Yeah. I'm going to say that smart. I think I'm going to say he's like, Right now, since he's going up to heavyweight, he's like a patty melt. He's just like Ooh. two big beef patties, just big, just a heavyweight sandwich, just like just pure beef, just beef sandwich since he's been bulking up. He's he's a patty melt. <laughs> oh, man. You're going to do it. <laughs> no, I'm not. I, I um... – I, I had one earlier and now I can't I can't quite think of what I thought he was gonna be. I was thinking a classic sandwich, but a delicious sandwich that's just like a for me, he might be a meatball sub, man. Just like he's big he's big and bold now and maybe with some mm. peppers on him. I don't know. A little spicy. You know and a meatball meatball sub's an all time great. Richie says he's a, he's the club sandwich, he's the goat. He could be versatile, he could be anything. I like that, Richie. Club like, and club and club sandwich because I think John Jones likes going to the club sometimes. Yeah, sometimes it's it's been rumored. It's been rumored. I don't know. <laughs> you might if you watch the news, you probably know that he's been to the club. Anyway, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Ah, uh, is that it? I think that's it. That is it. The end of our roundup. Listen, this has been a great show. Michael's in camp. Things are going great. UFC yep. 285 is this Saturday night. We'll be back to break it all down. But listen, we had sandwiches. Uh, we want to know what you guys want to know about. We want to know what you're eating on fight nights now. Obviously, get yourself a sandwich. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next week. Michael, I'll see you in a couple of days, my man. Yeah, I'll see you in a couple of days, brother. Peace out, everybody. Enjoy the fights. <laughs>